Welcome to a special episode of the ASSP Safety Standards and Tech Pubs podcast. I'm your host, Scott Fowler. COVID-19 presents a major challenge to safety professionals as they strive to take proper steps to protect their workers and prevent the spread of the disease. We've received many questions about the virus and how safety professionals can use their skills to help flatten the curve on this global pandemic. Today, we are talking with Tim Fisher, Director of Standards Development and Technical Services for ASSP, to answer several of those questions. Uh, Tim, welcome. Thank you so much for being here. As I mentioned, I know we've uh, been getting a lot of questions, so we uh, appreciate you taking the time to share your insights with our listeners. Appreciate the invitation. Always good to talk to everybody, Scott. Okay, let's get started. Now, one of the main topics of conversation around COVID-19 has centered on PPE, particularly uh, respirators. Now, can employers mandate use of N95 or other respirators in the workplace to protect against COVID-19 transmission outside of a healthcare setting, for example, in manufacturing? If so, how would an employer verify that an APF10 respirator is suitable for protecting non-infected workers? It's an interesting question because that came up quite a bit. We've, we've heard from members on this. And I think the first thing that we have to remember is that an employer is required to provide a safe and healthful workplace. So that's that's first thing we have to point out. And employers, they need to choose between remediation techniques that are based on the hierarchy controls. So it needs to be noted that many countries have asked that N95 respirators be reserved for use by healthcare professionals. So that's the first thing we have to remember. So uh, a lot of that equipment or N95s are already being used in a different area. And in regard to an employer verifying if use of an APF10 respirator is appropriate for, for, for the, the workplace, what we suggest is that you confer with a local healthcare professional and or an industrial hygienist, because it's important to note that any defi- decision that's made needs to be based on a suitable risk assessment. So that's one thing we have to remember here as well. A risk assessment is, should be driving this. And then the remediation technique that you select is then based on the results of that assessment. Okay, now... With regard to OSHA, uh, if an employee reports to an employer outside of the healthcare sector that he or she has acquired COVID-19 on the job, must this be put on the OSHA 300-301 logs? You know, that's an interesting question here because that is also something which continues to come up. Now, when we talk about the whole issue of record keeping, this is a tough one because when we talk about record keeping, there's different perspectives and views. And the other thing that we have to remember with this is that the whole COVID-19, it's a fluid situation. So when we talk about record keeping, our first thought on this specific question is that the privacy clause into record keeping would still apply. But that's a fluid issue. So we need to continue to review this because this very well could change. In, in a matter of hours, and we've seen that already. So if there are other new updates or guidance, we're going to share that information with ASSP members. Going back to respirators for a moment, should we be doing respirator fit testing, and will OSHA waive that? Okay, so this is one thing we have to remember because there's two questions with this one. And I assume from this question we're talking about the general uh, workforce. And so at this point, we have not seen any guidance from OSHA that waives fit testing. Uh, for industries. Now, we have seen some things for healthcare, but that's outside of, I think, where this question's going. So, once again, this is one of those situations. So, have we seen OSHA wave fit testing requirements for workers in, in industry other than healthcare? Not at this point. Now, remember, too, when I'm answering this question, this is today, uh, 
in March, right after we did the webinar. So this could change down the road. But as of right now, March 23rd, that would be my answer to this one. So um, we're going to continue to review the information, once again, that's related to this issue. And if you see any developments, or, or when we see developments, or new guidance, we'll share that information. There's already quite a bit up on the ASSP coronavirus page, which I would suggest everybody look at. It's an excellent resource. And on there, we've already got some of the OSHA guidance materials that deal with fit testing and also with the whole healthcare and fit testing issue. So uh, take a look at that on the ASSP website, and if we hear more on that, we definitely will get that out to the membership. Diving a little deeper into OSHA regulations, what can you tell us about what's going on with Appendix D related to voluntary masks? Uh, you know, this question here, this is this is somewhat similar to what's a, what, what we just answered, because when we talk about Appendix D and voluntary masks, uh, there's, you know, OSHA already has a video on this. And so I'm not sure from this question if they're saying that, uh, can you make Appendix D now uh, mandatory? Can you say that you have to wear this or, and on that one, we still haven't seen that. So I think what's existing within OSHA and Appendix D still applies. And also when we point to the OSHA statement, remember this one, remember voluntary use is only permitted when your employer has determined that there is no airborne hazard that will require the use of a respirator. So I think that's an important point. So um, is there a definitive answer on this one? No, I think Appendix D is still Appendix D. People should should go review that look at the, uh, the the video that's out on that right now. And once again, if we get more information on this or if anything changes, we'll update the members. As we uh, were discussing before, the tremendous need for N95 respirators. So I'm curious, is there a coordinated effort to find N95 respirators for healthcare? Can ASSP promote providing surplus N95s to hospitals or otherwise as needed or supporting emergency manufacturing onshore? Uh, you know, Scott, this is probably, I would say, out of all the questions that we've gotten, this is the number one question that we've received. And I think we have to applaud ASSP members and OSH professionals on this because they're trying to do something proactive to, to help uh, with, with this question. And that is, and it's, we have to remember one thing, it's not just N95s, it's also PPE equipment besides that, gloves and, and smocks and all kinds of stuff that get into this. And this is an issue that ASSP has been following and we have been contacted by numerous members on this issue. And a lot of this was because of some of the announcements from uh, senior public policy. The White House made, a, uh, made an announcement on this. I know different governors had. And so, you know, I would say this, ASSP, we're applauding the national effort to support healthcare facilities. But we think, uh, and think, let me point out, that we have not seen a coordinated general effort yet by one agency or organization to do this. So what's happened, we think, unfortunately, and we have talked to a lot of hospitals and some of our own people in our healthcare practice specialty, uh, the thing that we're suggesting is that you contact your local hospitals and healthcare facilities and you want to confirm with them if they're accepting donations and if so, where donations should be delivered. Because why are we saying that? So, I mean, delivering a product that's 20 years old and is covered in dirt probably is not going to help. Um, and so what we want to do is, is make sure that the, the, the proper equipment gets to the right proper place. So I would say call that hospital, call that healthcare facility, see if they're looking for donations and then how they're delivered. But it doesn't help them to be delivering uh, badly damaged materials that can't be used and then they have to throw it out. So um, and in addition, as I pointed out, you know, when we're talking about this, the facilities that we've talked to uh, really would prefer that call ahead of time and it'll help them also avoid that additional burden. So that would be our answer on that one, Scott. Great thing. We want to see Ash Pros do that but uh, do some preliminary work on it first.
Okay, now, so much of addressing COVID-19 and helping prevent the spread of the virus comes down to risk assessment. So what are the most important risk matrices to track for to come up with a composite score? For example, regional threats, high-risk family members, high-exposure risk jobs, things like that. You know, when we talk about the whole issue of risk assessment, and this is an important point that I think ASSP members and OSH professionals need to consider. So uh, we everybody understands we're in, in the middle of a, of a pandemic, but the important thing to remember is that we still want to do proper risk assessment because the risk assessment is what's going to drive those decisions on remediation or what technique you're going to use. Now, the important thing, this, this is me, what I'm saying right now um, is that I myself have not yet seen a template or checklist specific to COVID-19 in composite scores. So let me let me uh, explain a little bit more. I'm not saying that they're not out there. I'm not saying there aren't checklists. There's a whole bunch of them, but I haven't seen something that gives a composite score. So if there is, I would first of all suggest that you've seen that, send that to ASSP because we would love to take a look at that. So uh, that's the one thing. There are several public health models that are available, and we suggest you review the ones from CDC. These sites are up on the ASSP website for Corona and take a look at that. In addition, if you know, for organizations outside the United States, and it, it really doesn't, but the European Center for Disease Prevention and Control, they have a really good document, which is on rapid risk assessment, and that's one that we thought also could play an important role. So is there something specific on composite scores? No. Are there plenty of checklists and models to look at? Yes. Uh, Going back to uh, OSHA guidance for a moment, are there any directives from OSHA or NIOSH on personal air monitoring in the midst of coronavirus, given that you pretty much invade a person's breathing zone? That's correct. So this is another one. So when we're speaking at this moment in time, there have not been any changes in the policy that we've seen or the directives that address the issues of air monitoring. So remember what I pointed out there. At this point in time, we have not seen any changes or directives on the issue of air monitoring. And once again, if we see developments or new guidance, we're going to share that with ASSP members. So um, if you look at that current OSHA document on COVID-19, it doesn't really get into, from what we can tell, significantly on the issue of air monitoring. So it's a good question, uh, something that we're going to keep an eye open, but nothing at this point right now that I would say shows uh, changes in policy. It's uh, one more question as we uh, as we wrap up here. Regarding isolation and removal of workers and a 14-day isolation time period, is there somewhere our listeners can get uh, additional information on those recommendations? So I think the best way to try and handle this would be, one, is to look at the OSHA document on the issue of isolation and potentially the removal of workers. And if you're talking about the issue of of 14 days or seven days or whatever that potential quarantine or isolation time period is, come to the ASSP website and look at the existing materials on there because there's different things out there. If If you're a healthcare provider, professional, whatever term we want to use for that, there's a different set of criteria on that as well. So that would be my answer on that one, is look at the OSHA document and then come to the ASSP website and look at the additional guidance. Okay, thank you uh, so much again for coming on, Tim. COVID-19 is, of course, a major concern for safety professionals, so I hope that our listeners will use the information you've provided to help protect their workers and, and prevent the spread of the virus, so thank you again. Thanks. Take care, Scott. You can find a recording of our recent Coronavirus Ask the Expert Q&A with ASSP President-elect Deb Roy and related information on COVID-19 at ASSP.org coronavirus. Thank you for listening to this special episode of our podcast. Be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. You can also connect with us at ASSP.org 
and follow us on Twitter at ASSP Safety. We'll see you next time.